Hello, and welcome to a Mental Breakdown podcast, where we take a break from reality to talk about sports. I'm Bryce, that's Liam, and we got a bonus episode, very special bonus episode for you all, where we're going to do, um, we're going to use Liam's cricket team as an example of how working with a sports perform or performance psychologist can work and how they can, uh, kind of things they can help out with. You excited for this? I am, yeah. I've, I've hired you as my uh, personal consultant for the day, haven't I? Extremely high fees. <laughs> I'll pay them. No worries. Through the roof. <laughs> so, your team is. To, let's go first. Start with like the history of your team. Um, how did you? You're currently in the what you call the Premiership. Yeah, in the Premier League. So the 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 top division that my team can play in. Yes. Um, so I've. I'm newly captain as of about a year and a half ago. Um, so I've played for, for the club, the general club, for all of my life. Um, so sadly, that's about 20 years now. Um, but yeah, so I I decided to, to put myself forward to be captain um, last year and a half because it was the first time I kind of stayed in the area and settled. I wasn't off to go, go into university and stuff and... And uh, it's it's been it's almost like a second job on top of your job. Uh, there's a lot of things to manage, um, but but yes. Yeah, so we we got promoted two years ago. So the first season I took in charge was our first kind of our first time back in the Premier League after quite a few years out, um, and we managed to to stay up, which was obviously a nice achievement at the end of the year. Um, and so with this season, the current season, we're hoping to kind of push on and and not just stay up, but but compete a bit towards the top end. Um, so that's kind of a, a little bit of the background towards um, towards the team I play for. So you're looking to go from hanging on to try and push on, right? I think so. I think so. We we have we have the quality in our side, and I think um, some of the wins that we picked up last year were against some of the teams in the top three or four. Um, so clearly, um, we can kind of show that we can compete with with teams in this league. So it would be nice if we can. Uh, finish the season perhaps trying to push for a top three top four space that type of thing okay uh and what are like the the main areas you have questions over that you'd want to improve that you think would address or give you the best chance at kind of kicking on like you're looking for okay so i think i've spoken to, to bryce about this previously um and it's sort of a team culture point but it's also kind of a team dynamic point isn't it so um what our kind of issue so far this season has been is that we've had quite a large player turnover. So that be that because of injuries to uh, one of the teams that the because we're the second team, so the first team get priority of players. So if they get people injured, they take people from our team, and we have to choose people from elsewhere. So kind of the core of your squad sometimes changes. Um, so yes, there's been injuries, there's been absences, there've been people away at university and that type of thing. And what that's meant is we haven't had that consistent team to kind of create a consistent kind of uh, team dynamic and team culture. So I think something that could really push us forward at some point is is potentially kind of laying the ground rules of of a certain culture or of you know um, yeah set set a kind of set the culture a certain way so that when people come in who aren't usually in the team they can kind of plug in and play into kind of what we're trying to do. Um, whereas at the moment it, it's quite difficult because, yeah, like I said, a high turnover of players means it's um, quite difficult to deal with as a captain. Um, so that's probably the first point. Do you want me to go on to the second point or do, do we want to try and deal with that one first, Bryce? No, we'll go, we'll go through all three, give us a quick rundown, and then I'll ask questions about them one by one. Yeah, okay. The second one was uh, I was potentially having thoughts about setting up a leadership group. Um, so... There's kind of a few key heads in our team. So one of them is actually the ex-captain that I replaced. Um, and there's a few others who, who are kind of have have been around the similar age to me, but they've played a lot of cricket like me. So um, we're quite experienced in it. And so I was wondering about the benefits of setting, setting up a leadership group and whether, you know, it's something that would be easy to set up as well, because obviously, um, especially with team dynamics and and stuff you don't want to upset people by not involving them in, in parts of the leadership team but um but i think that's kind of the, the secondary question i had whether something like that would be a good idea and if it is how do you go about setting that up so i'd probably say that's our, my second point bryce okay um and then our last point i think we spoke about it a little bit um 
uh, a go. So we had a game a couple of weeks ago, and we have uh, a very young wicketkeeper in our team who's, who's a really good player. Um, and he kind of, um, I offered to open the batting with him. So open the batting for, for you, all of those who don't know cricket is um, usually your number one and two are your best two batsmen. So I offered for him to be um, kind of the number one or number two in the team with me. Um, and he kind of said no. He, he kind of um, he was a bit worried about him in the batting. Said he preferred to bat number six or seven, so there's kind of less pressure in the situation and that type of thing. Um, and so with someone like him, he's uh, he's good enough to open the batting, um, even though he's 15. He's a really good player. Um, so I guess one of my questions was whether it's something I should deal with and how to deal with it that way, and potentially how to to give him that confidence to go out and go out and perform for the team because because he's very much a valued member of the side so hopefully um, we, we can get to a point over the year where if, if we do offer to open the batting at some point he's, he's keen to do it rather than not wanting to do it so that's probably the third point just because yeah he's, he's, he's a key player for us so I just wanted to to make sure that he's kind of full of confidence heading forwards um, So you're saying that it comes from like a small team syndrome thing? Potentially, yes. So obviously, with us being kind of um, the the newly promoted side, so kind of one of the one of the lesser teams in the league, it's it's quite hard to to try and instill that mentality across the whole team. So potentially, that could be um, that could be a reason behind that. Is is that yeah, we we are the smaller team, and and it's nice to upset some of the bigger teams, but you want to start getting that bigger team mentality going don't you don't want to be the ups, upset all the time you want to make sure that you can compete with those teams right at the top and as we've shown previously we, we were able to beat them so trying to get that culture of um and that kind of mentality of you know if you're playing a, a big team it's a good chance to test your skills rather than being worried about going to uh going to some of these big teams in the league that's um that's a potential point that we could really um, really do it as well, Bryce. You also mentioned that some of those like bigger teams have some established professionals that are foreign that are playing in the lower level teams because of restrictions on foreign players in the top level, right? Yeah, that's correct. So um, in for your first team, you can only name one foreign player in the side, uh, one kind of non-UK-based player. Um, and so usually what happens is uh, we get quite a few young, say, Australians. I think there's someone who played for Malta that we played recently. Um, I think every team we've played has, has had kind of like someone from, say, South Africa, Australia. And, and that just obviously raises the, raises the, um, the standard of the game because these are players who... If they were if they were English based, they would be playing in the first team because they would have qualified to play. But because they can't, um, they have to settle with playing at our standard. Um, so, yeah, that does kind of add to that kind of um, add to that worry for some of the some of the members of our team that you know the standard is very high uh, and whether they can meet up to it or not. Um, so yeah, that is it's kind of a, a unique situation for our league, I think. But um, it's interesting to kind of see that pretty much most teams we played have someone like that in their team at the moment, and we don't. Yeah, that was what I was going to say next. You guys don't have one, right? So, like, you guys are all no, English no. for the most part? Yeah, yeah, all, all UK-based, all English. Except for me. I'll, I'll claim that I'm Scottish, so <laughs> I'll claim that. Yeah, the accent says otherwise. <laughs> yeah, you look past the accent. <laughs> all right, so we have a trying to maintain culture with a rotation of players coming and going. We have a mm -hmm. question about leadership group, which I think we'll leave for, I'll leave for last. And then a situation where you're trying to build uh, your team's confidence, not just the one player, but that was just your example, to try and overcome this small team syndrome situation going on. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. All right. So we'll start with your culture situation. So what would you say your previous culture was like before your captaincy? Um, it's difficult for me to, to say, actually, because um, it's the first time I've been in that team. Um, I'd either been playing for the first team, which is the team above, or because I went to, to university in um, Australia for a year, in Edinburgh for a year, I've never played in this team before. So it's something that was um, kind of new to me to come into. Um, but kind of the culture was a little bit... Um, I, I, just anecdotally from other players, I think... There was a lack of communication, I think, in the team. Um, so, because it was quite a youngish side, but like I mentioned before, there's still players who have a lot of experience. I don't think everyone managed to get yeah. their opinions across, and and I don't think we lent on that experience enough previously. Um, so, 
Um, so yeah, if, from the kind of anecdotal uh, evidence I've got, that's kind of part of what the culture was like before. Yeah. Uh, would you say there was like any fractions or like um, clicks among the players at that time? Yeah, yeah, there were a few. There were a few clicks and fractions. And I think it was partly the reason why I put myself forward as captain to try and kind of bring a bit more unity to the team than there was kind of previously. Okay, and what's your desired culture that you're trying to build? Um, so for me, I think the first first thing is I want people to to look forward to a weekend and really enjoy playing um, because I've played a lot of competitive cricket in my time and sometimes people, I know this is sounds a bit silly to say, but sometimes people take it too seriously. We're, we're playing at a kind of a semi-professional slash amateur level everyone's kind of giving up their weekends and they're, 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 you, you pay the club to play you pay kind of um, subs and so you kind of want to head into a weekend and enjoy it and I think in previous times and, and in other teams that I've played in before as well um, when you don't have that culture of people enjoying it then it impacts your cricket because obviously if you're not enjoying yourself then um, quite a lot of people aren't able to kind of perform to the levels they want to um, so I think for me the culture I wanted to create is one that was competitive because you know the, the personalities including myself in the team are all competitive people we, we don't go out to right. lose but the winning or, or being the top of our game is not the be all and end all um, that's kind of the culture I want to make sure that you know we're competitive but we're also having having a good laugh and you, you with your mates all day making sure that you know you're getting the most out of it for yourself not just about the team and winning um, and so, yeah, that, that's kind of what I want to, to get towards. And, and like I kind of, like I explained a little bit before, it's hard to get that culture when you're replacing people and everyone, people are leaving and, you know, you don't have that consistent kind of um, player base to be able to, to allow that to happen because um, you almost, you, you sometimes do feed off each other in teams, don't you? I know you'll know the same, Bryce. Yeah. And, team culture can you bounce off each other and and you know when certain certain players are there and and everyone's kind of in the team you know you can have a good day whereas it's harder to to replicate that kind of environment when um certain players aren't available and you're having to kind of replace them with others who kind of aren't used to being in the team so what kind of ways are you looking to try and uh encourage that and try and build unity like what's your communication styles things like that uh, my communication style, I, I feel like uh, I'm very open as a captain. Um, so one of the things I've tried to do is just make sure that no matter whether you're a senior or junior member that's at the side, you can come to me and you can kind of discuss anything to be it tactics, to be it um, how just you're feeling on the day. I, 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 hope, I hope that it comes across that I'm quite an approachable person. And so I, I've kind of wanted to encourage um, even some of the, like I say, the junior members to, to potentially uh, give me advice in certain situations just to make sure they kind of feel part of the team and feel part of the kind of unit moving forwards. Um, so that's kind of one of the areas I've tried to kind of push forward. Um, I think the second is, so obviously it, it, party duty as captain is giving kind of these motivational team talks before the game and, and join, the team, join the game and that type of thing. And I've, I've tried to just remind people what we're there for um instead of you know being there to to take things super seriously and not enjoy yourselves i think it, it, that's been my kind of my other thing to do just to kind of remind people regularly that we're here to enjoy ourselves and, and be with your mates and hope and that's rubbed off on other people okay um and we're fairly early into your season right yeah so we just played our sixth game um out of i think it's 22 Okay. But it could be twenty four. So about so I can't remember about a one. third of the way through, a little little less than that. Yeah, about a third. Yeah, 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 a bit less. So what you're saying is you're kind of in a process of transition away from the previous captain's leadership. You're trying to open up communication more and encourage more voices in the dressing room, if you will. Um, what are you? What would you say are the biggest hindrances to that at the moment? Um, like what's making that difficult to do? So, so as I alluded to before, potentially the, the the player turnover when you don't have the same squad members in the team, it's hard to to create that consistent environment. Yeah, how does that work? Um, so, that... so um, you were talking about picking like selection process. I'm getting and from what I understand, it's the first team selects whoever they want, and then you just take what's left over, and then the third team would take over what's left over from that. 
Yeah, exactly. So, so at the moment, the first team is meant to be the best team in the club. So they uh, try and choose the the best um, eleven available on that week. So obviously, sometimes if there's an injury or someone's away, they have to dip into our pool and pick our better players up to kind of try and get them competitive again. Um, so what that meet what that leads to obviously is sometimes I can't name a comp- uh, a consistent side all the time because you're losing players due to kind of external things you know nothing internal due, due to kind of like um like i mentioned we've had two injuries in the first team already this season um and other people away at university um and it's kind of yeah it's, it's difficult to name that consistent side at the moment and so you're losing important players on a regular basis like you're kind of upper talented type players to the first team yeah, yeah. um you mentioned before too I don't know if you did it today, but or the, the previous time we talked about this, but um, you were talking about losing people who were these guys who were kind of these better players were also social leaders. Yeah, so I was about to say that. Yes, yeah, so, so we're not just lo- not just losing kind of the quality um, in the team. We're also losing kind of the drivers of of the kind of culture that I'd like to see. Um, so, for example, my vice captain, um, he's played um, out of the six games. He's played three for me this season. Um, the vice captain. Um, another one has played twice for me. The other one has played twice as well out of the six games. Um, so, you, the core kind of components of your squad, um, both kind of quality wise, but also socially, are missing for for large parts of of the games that we're at. So it, it does make it quite difficult to kind of still pull in that same direction moving forward in terms of culture. And then, who are you replacing them with? Uh, we're replacing with junior members, um, so either so members, uh, yeah, yeah. So either members who uh, haven't haven't been part of the club long, or members who, yeah, um, are towards kind of the the younger ages, and and um, and yeah, asking them to do a similar job is is quite hard. And you'd say among those younger players, you don't really have anyone capable of filling that kind of leadership void. Um, maybe not yet. Um, I think obviously. It's a natural thing if you're coming into a, a new team or coming into a team you're not used to that you end up being quite yeah. quiet and and it takes a while to get used to it. Um, so I think that's kind of a, a, the process and the moment we're in at the moment. And what's your process for like uh, taking advice or taking like, you said you're a very open captain, you want people to see you as approachable. Do you... Um, does that include things like guys coming up and saying, hey, I want to bat in this order, we need to put this person to bowl next, we need to set the field up this way? Yeah, so so let's use an example um, from the game I played on Saturday. Um, so we chose to bowl first, and um, we thought there was going to be some... Uh, we thought the pitch was going to be a lot more lively than it was. So the pitch ended up being very dead and very flat. Uh, and so what that, what that means is that there's kind of very little sideways movement, there's not much to get excited about, and it's quite a uh, it's it's a battle of attrition at that stage rather than kind of a battle of skill. It's more um, like a hitter's ballpark than a bowler's. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There we go. So um, what happened was, I think the 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 experienced heads in my team identified that very early doors after about five overs or so, and so a couple of them come up to me and they say. We know there's nothing in this wicket. We thought there might be, but there's nothing. So we now need to change plan. And part of that can be that because we had a few players back from um, compared to the previous week, we were able to kind of give each of our bowlers short, sharp bursts to see if something would happen for them. And if not, take them off, put someone else on and be quite flexible um, in that rather than... Because traditionally in cricket, what you'd like is one bowler to kind of bowl, get into their spell because traditionally you get better, you know, the more you bowl. Yeah. Um, whereas kind of uh, the experienced heads in my team came up to me and, and we kind of devised this plan where, where we just kind of rotate people and try and not let the batsman, but not let the batsman settle against kind of a specific type of bowler. Um, and yeah, not let them get used to this type and speed and stuff like that. So yeah. that they're yeah. constantly having to adjust. Exactly. So, um, so that's that's a really good example because it's something that I, well, it, it's hard to say whether I would have done that or not myself. But you know, hearing you know straight away advice from from a couple of people saying that kind of helped take the team in that direction and ultimately potentially won us that game. So, um, so yeah, like I said, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty quick to to at least that because obviously as captain you don't have to act on all the advice you get given. But I feel like people. Um, 
people know that their input's valued even if I don't kind of use it um, and, and act on it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what that means, though, is that because they're youth, younger players who maybe don't have their voice or confidence, they're less likely to come towards you, right? I'd say so, yes, yes. So it's it's a lot harder, obviously, in the field. It's a lot harder for me to kind of run up to people and go, what do you think about this situation? Um, because, obviously, you're under time pressure and all that. Um, and sometimes, obviously, some of the younger members like to kind of focus on themselves and try and kind of get through the game. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so the younger junior members are less likely to be proactive about giving me advice um, is the best way to put it. And as far as, like, your social events, um, I understand you hadn't had an important social leader for a while, but they've just returned, right? Yeah, they have. So, um, so we have, uh, it's quite like a, a lighthearted, ent- entertaining thing. So we have a fines master. So basically, um, if you do something stupid or silly in the game, you get fined. Um, you get fined for it, and the fine master kind of writes it down in his book, and we kind of uh, read them all out at the end of a game, and just gives everyone a bit of a laugh. Uh, and what happens is, when you get fined, you contribute, let's say, a pound per fine, and it all gets put in a pot, and it kind of funds a social event that we'll do kind of later on in the season. Um, so it's quite... For me, I think it's quite uh, it's an important aspect of playing cricket actually because, for example, um, a couple of weeks ago we we had a really tough loss, and you know the the dressing room was was quite quiet after the game. Everyone was a bit gutted, so I thought I'd turn because we had a stand-in person as fines chairman that day or fines master. Sorry, I thought I'd turn to them straight away before anyone had a chance to kind of have a moan or before anyone wanted to kind of. I don't know, like I said, it was kind of silent and everyone was a bit down. We kind of went went round the room with the fines chairman and, and, you know, reading out all the fines. I think everyone ended up leaving leaving the dressing room, you know, laughing and smiling after a tough loss. Uh, and so I think just using that example, uh, using that kind of thing as an example, um, the fines chairman is a really important part of kind of trivialising things and making kind of um, lifting the mood in a team and kind of reminding the team it's amateur sports yeah exactly exactly yeah it reminds it reminds it reminds them that they're not just there to win um so it's a really important part of the team and and uh, yeah like you mentioned we only just had kind of the guy who who's kind of our main finds master um back this weekend so we, we've had what four or five games without him um so you could already tell the difference yes um on saturday as well um for his presence being there all right, so you're trying to build this culture of open communication, but making sure everyone's having fun or competitive. You've had a constant rotation of players that makes it with inconsistent availability, which makes it hard to maintain a culture and keep it consistent. You're replacing experienced players with youth players, and you haven't had your fines captain, right? Like, those are the big mm-hmm. issues. Yeah, yeah, those are the big issues surrounding that, yeah. So I would say now that your fines captain is back, that's a huge first step as far as creating social leaders. Um, and one of the keys to integrating younger or inexperienced players is just socializing them, right? Yeah, yeah, get, making them kind of feel part of the team, yeah. Yeah, and so now you have the opportunity um, to encourage them to be more voiced, to find their place in the team, to find their social place, to get to know the other people. Um, and that'll hopefully and ideally encourage them to have a bigger voice. The second part of that um, that we'll talk about again in a little bit is creating self-efficacy. Um, but we'll talk about that a little bit later when we talk about challenge and threat and stuff like that, which is okay. connected to the small team syndrome stuff. Okay, sure. But then you were talking about the inconsistent availability. For, that's sort of just a byproduct of being an amateur sports mm-hmm. since it's not professionals and this isn't like their everyday job, right? So there's sometimes that's just the way you you're just going to have to deal with it. And the best way to deal with it is to have really good social leaders that can encourage them to be a part of the team. And when they leave and come back and things like that, it's like they've never left. Okay. 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 Um, So just in general, do you think new members of a team need to have like a specific thing that makes them be part of the team? So for example, let's say um, international cricket, they get given a cap and it's like a presentation at the start of the start of the game, you know, if they make the first appearance and I guess it makes them feel part of like that special group that have got capped for England. Um, is Is there something like that you'd suggest or is that not the way to go? 
you could create traditions like that um, if you wanted to things, but it, I would make them, especially with amateur sports and your goal being to be competitive, but fun and to remind everyone that this is something they should enjoy to make it extremely lighthearted. Like, um, like in the NBA, they do things with rookies. Like for instance, there's a story about Giannis Antetokounmpo filling rookies cars with popcorn where these guys just signed a couple million dollar contract where the first round draft pick are expected to be the future stars of the team. Um, but the experienced players still treat them like rookies equally. Okay. But the key is that it can't be like the like hazing. Hazing has bad connotations, right? Because what people think of when, with hazing is they think of some of the awful, horrendous things that have come out in reports. But hazing is also just fun banter. It can is also supposed to be just like lighthearted fun banter, like filling someone's car with popcorn and they can afford to get it cleaned, right? Like doing that kind of thing with your level players, probably not a great idea, but like the equivalent of it would be like, say they have to buy drinks or something, or you go and like, if they do X, like they drop a catch, it means they have to buy a round or something that night, like something simple like that. That's minor that that isn't, that uh, isn't over the top. Like that might not even, that may even be too harsh just financially. So it could be things like that. It could be like if they drop uh, a ball, then you all have a way to like make fun of them or something. You know what I mean? Like something extremely lighthearted, but makes them feel like they're a part of the team. And then when they, when somebody else does it, they'll be able to participate and do that with them. Even if it's you, the captain that does it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Potentially something kind of lighthearted might might help, That's and ideally something where everyone is held equally, so that they see, that they don't feel ostracized and kept apart. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, like you mentioned, something that could happen to me myself. Exactly. Like if you drop a catch in the field, whatever punishment you guys have arranged for that. Like it sounds like your fines captain kind of handles most of this, um, where they just fine you for it. But you could also do like other things like some stuff on top of it. Like if you, I don't know what you guys are, your players like to do. Um, but like, if you drop a catch, you have to drink something bad, like something you don't like from the bar that night or something. Yeah. There used to be, so it's not been for a while, but there used to be a t-shirt for, for Dick of the day. So at the end of the day, you, you, um, you voted on who's been, who's been an idiot in a day and they have to wear the t-shirt to the next game. <laughs> that again that's not a that's not a terrible idea but if one person is doing it getting that all the time it can become all the time, a problem yeah. true, very true and again it, ideally it's something that's equal across the whole board so like if they feel like it's you then you own up to it right yeah yeah and that true. should ideally over time bring encourage them to use their voices they'll get to know you better uh, but then the second part of that is I would, if I were in your place, I would reach out more often, maybe not necessarily when you're on the pitch, just because you're talking about the time constraints, but even off the pitch or like between batting and orders or between games during practices, whatever, reach out to them and ask for their advice. Even if you don't have to take it, treat it with respect. So like they could say something that you're like, well, that's a terrible idea, but you're not going to say that's a terrible idea. You're going to take it and you're going to use it or you're not. And eventually they'll give you some advice in which you use and they'll see that and then they'll feel encouraged to give you more advice. Yeah. Okay. So just be a bit more proactive about that. Yes. I I heavily encourage that since you're trying to create this open communication, you got to demonstrate that that communication goes both ways. Okay. I see. I see. Cause that is the key part of any culture of communication is that it has to go, it has to be circular. It has to go up and down. It has to go both ways. Leadership has to take advice from the people down below and then people down below have to take advice from leadership. Yeah. Okay. So so that's sort of the first actionable thing I can take out then. Yeah, absolutely. That would be the, the easiest, most actionable thing is to reach out to the younger players more often. Again, you're not always going to use their advice. In fact, early on, you probably won't take a lot because it'll be yeah. stuff you've heard before or something like that, just because they're lack experience. But eventually they're going to say something that you haven't thought of, or maybe it's something that's been done before, but you forgot about, um, and you'll use it and then they'll see you use it and they'll see that you're listening to them and taking their advice. Yeah. Okay. That sounds sounds very doable. Yeah, that's easily the first uh, actionable one. It sounds like your fines captain kind of handles the other part of what I was talking about. Yeah. Where everyone's treated equally. 
um, and gets fines, including yourself. Yeah, so so his presence back does help that then, yeah. And I would, I would also encourage, um, even outside of using the fines capped at wages that are being raised, to do more like fun things, try and encourage people to do things outside of cricket, like just more fun things. Like you could play other sports, like you could have a night where you all play five aside or something like that. It's not a bad idea, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I want to, uh, on, a, on a selfish level, I want to get back playing football anyway. So <laughs> it, might be a, it might be a good idea. Yeah. And then if you find that they all have something that they enjoy, like say somebody's a rock climber, maybe he, you go out rock climbing one night, one night as a team or something and get yeah. to this, like, especially if you find like a really, an ideal one in this situation would be to find one of the young players who's quiet. They have a hobby like rock climbing outside of cricket, but that most of the team don't participate in. And he gets to be the leader as he teaches you all how to rock climb. Yeah. That would be ideal, but that's obviously not always going to happen. So just finding things outside of cricket to incur that everyone would enjoy um, and doing that, you know, it doesn't have to be all the time. It can be once a month. It can be once every couple months, but just on a semi-regular basis. Okay. Okay. Second, second actionable point then. Yeah. And it could even be something as similar as like on days that uh, on nights before you have matches. So like you play on Saturdays. Yeah. Like on Friday nights, having dinners, like team dinners, where you go out to like a a decent restaurant. Neither, you know, again, it doesn't have to be financial situations vary. So you'd have to be mindful of those kinds of things. But like having team dinners or you could even have people cook for your teammates or have take turns having people cook for your teammates. Um, Like in high school, my sister used to have, they used to do pasta parties before every match where they would go to some of their, her teammates house. So they're in high school. So it's going to be their parents and stuff cooking, but they're going to go and they're going to have these team dinners every night. Um, And that encourages the social connection. It encourages all those things and prepares them for the next day. Yeah. I think the only side issue with that is that I guess people live in different locations here. It's not all kind of close um, to the cricket club so it, it's harder to get sure. kind of external things like that organized yeah absolutely and maybe you'd have to just do it on days when they're all at the cricket club that could yeah. that could be a part of it too like you play during that day and then that night you have a dinner party which it sounds like you probably already do semi nights out after matches anyway but you know even win or lose you do the same thing every time and it encourages you know the social cohesion yeah yeah okay okay all right, so that's kind of the social issues you were talking about, and that would that'll help build your culture. It'll help build um, your team. It's more team building than culture building because culture takes a long time yeah, and it's kind process. of driven by the players. Yeah, and it's kind of uh, it's driven by the players. So you're doing what you can to encourage the culture you want, but in the end, the players have to take control of that. And yeah. so doing things like this, these team building exercises, will allow them to see the culture that you want. And that's also part of the reaching out is that they'll see that this is what you want. You're willing to take advice from everyone. Yeah. Well, I I guess, yeah, I guess quite a lot of these points integrated, aren't they? Absolutely. Um, And then we'll talk. So the next, we're going to talk about that small team syndrome you were talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're promoted just a couple of years ago. You just stayed up last year and you're competing against teams who've been in this top flight longer and often have at least one foreign professional, right? Yeah, yeah, the established teams with established players. So, um, yeah, there is that kind of mentality of, oh, no, we're going to this club away. It's going to be a difficult game. Absolutely. And then you're having, on top of that, you're having these younger players who are trying to establish themselves anyway. Um, And you used an example of your young wicketkeeper not wanting to open the batting. Yeah. Yeah, and part of the reason, well, we're not part of the reason, but they did have that day they had an Aussie guy playing who was probably the quickest bowl I faced at second team level. Um, so you can kind of understand so a proper bowler. Yeah, you can understand kind of potentially why he he might not have wanted to open the batting. 
Um, I mentioned when we talked about this before that uh, I suggested you kind of talking to him a little bit just to see what the reasoning was, because there's always the possibility that he wasn't necessarily like trying to hide, if you will, in the order, but maybe he felt that this would be the best place for him to help the team. Um, Yes. So I did have a conversation um, with him, just a small one uh, after we talked Um, and I asked him just just um, that very question. And that's what he answered. He thought himself he's best at contributing in the team at number six or seven um, rather than opening. Uh, and so that's part of the reason why kind of he wanted to he wanted to drop down rather than take on take on that kind of challenge of opening, which I guess okay. is fair. I think the yeah. the the I, I guess the issue with that is that he naturally is an opener. He does he does open for the third team when he plays on a Sunday. Uh, and he does open at his age group level. So whether that's yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether the decision to to potentially say he's best at six or seven is driven by him feeling okay. he's best there, or it's driven by the 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 increase in standard of of playing in the second team. So um, so you mentioned when you were talking about your batting orders that you tend to like to have your opening batters be your best batters. Right, yeah. batsmen, yeah. batters, whatever. Yeah, traditionally. Um, so if he's leading off in other orders and maybe feels like he's a better batsman, would be batting six be a decent place? Because then he's in a position where he can either save your whole batting, or he can um, finish close out the match with strong batting, having had a chance to see how the uh, uh, the pitches operate. It's true, and I mean um, he he scored the winning runs for us on. Um... On Saturday, from I think he was number seven or number eight, um, so that's potentially at play. I think you kind of struck a, a note with me a little bit with your, your your baseball comparison because it's a very similar thing in cricket. You, your opening batsman, it is a slightly different skill set to batting elsewhere in the in the order, because um, what happens in cricket um, is when the ball is new and when the bowlers are fresh, you face bowlers who are, are usually at that time of the game quicker but also they're a bit more kind of skilled because when the ball is new it starts swinging so obviously similar to kind of like the, the curve on a baseball um the ball kind of swings when the ball is is kind of yeah it's fresh and it's new and it's not been hit very much so it is a slightly diff so so not everyone in my team i could open a baton with it is what i'm trying to say whereas there's there's probably a certain amount of people in the team with the skill set where i would be happy with him opening the batting and and he was one of them and he's that was the reason why i did ask him to open because i knew he had the skill set to deal with that whereas others in the team probably didn't um so i i get, I get your point that obviously him coming in at number six or seven is a good good option for his lower down the order but also it could be best for the team if he did open and, and did um and did face the best bowlers sure. in the best conditions for those bowlers, but knowing that he kind of has that skill set better than some of my other players. So this may be one of the situations where you reach a compromise where whenever you're like, your team is more depleted, um, then you maybe just explain like, Hey, I need your talent higher up the order. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you think it's just kind of like a, a frank discussion like that rather than trying to get him to buy into into the decision making. Well, if you if you have a frank discussion, you can explain your thinking and be like, "Hey, I think you're too talented." And whenever the we're struggling to have everyone here, which you you talked about the issues mm-hmm. of availability. Um, whenever you're struggling to get that to work, I hey, I need your talent higher up the order. I need you to help me get things started so that we can make it easier yeah. for our teammates. Yeah. And I think he'll most likely understand. If he doesn't, then maybe it's a discussion about something else entirely. Yeah. Okay, okay. Because I think you've described probably the situation where it would happen. He probably, probably wouldn't be our opener because our opener usually is there. Um, but when he's away, he would be kind of the replacement. Yeah, yeah just kind of, you know, just talk about it, basically. Um, but the point of all that was we were trying to determine whether or not he would be in a challenge or mm-hmm. threat state, right? From that conversation, we can't really deduce one over the other. But it sounds like the biggest issue is small team syndrome when you're talking about being afraid of going to these bigger teams and how they were going to be tough away mm-hmm. days and stuff like that, is that you're kind of encouraging a threat state. 
right by kind of like Everyone using that to, yeah. kind of talk yeah. right and it's okay to acknowledge something's going to be difficult that's not the problem the problem would be um following it up with like oh man i, I don't don't want not looking forward to that yeah. or something like that right because every time what i would do um so the, the key mitigator to a threat state is self-efficacy. People who were encouraged into a threat state in research were often able to mitigate the effects by having self-efficacy. In fact, I read a study about uh, international batting tests or something like that. Like they do this like exam situation for player for young players, county level players who are trying to get into the national side to do uh, to like yeah do batting basically and test out the yeah, batting. Yeah, like you understand yeah. that you know what that's about right okay so they were talking they did a research study using th challenge and threat where they tried to encourage certain people into a threat state and into a challenge state and then determine who did better and obviously for the most part people who were in a challenge state did better but the easiest way to mitigate a threat state once you're in it is self-efficacy and that just meant like it's kind of a way to say self-confidence, but it's more just a trust in your ability to succeed. So how would you go about kind of fostering self-efficacy in the team? So we talked about mm. the communication, right? So encouraging that kind of communication, going out and reaching out for access and their advice, and then using their advice when it's, you know, the correct, when you think it's a good time to use it, will encourage them to be, to have trust in their ability, the ability to read the game, right? And then on top of that, encouraging behaviors, even whenever they're in these threatening situations. So like your batsman who wanted to bat six or seventh, just being like, hey, I think you're too good to bat that far down when we're this depleted. That's an encouraging, like, I believe in your talent. Even if he doesn't necessarily yet, you do. And that puts him in a better state going forward. And even if it fails this time, being like, hey, it was tough out there. You did great. This is exactly what I was looking for was just somebody to get us going. Even if he goes out, you know, for 12 or something like that, that's still a good, you can be like, hey, that's still a good start. That's what we needed. And just being like, this is exactly what I was looking for shows that it encouraged them to trust okay, in their own okay. abilities. Because because kind of what I've been trying to do at the moment is, is just be careful with my phrasing. So when we do play those bigger teams, I've been trying to remind everyone how much it like that it's a really good opportunity for us to test ourselves rather than, you know, saying we're going to be up against it, lads. Like I've been trying to be careful with my phrasing, but yeah, I think maybe I need to have those kind of maybe more nuanced one-on-one -on -one talks um, rather than just kind of like uh, trying to trying to address the team in this kind of situation. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because that was going to be my next point was using phrases like opportunity and chance and things like that. Um, I would say less, I've always, this is just me and my interpretation uh, and it may be a cultural difference to from between the United States and Britain, but I've always heard the phrase as test ourselves as like, we're going to lose, but we'll see how, how much we lose by. Yeah. Yeah. You probably say so. Yeah. If, if you're testing yourself against someone, it's yeah, you, you, okay. you know, it's going to be tough. See, I would change that to from opportunity to test ourselves to this is a chance to like make some noise. This is a chance to demonstrate to people that we're a lot okay. better than they think we are. This is a chance for us to like overcome okay. this. And like, I truly believe that we can because the truth is, like, at amateur level, you can. They just have to have one bad day. Or, or you have a one good day. That's all it takes. Yeah. yeah. Either one. Sometimes both. And if it both happens, then you crush them and you just, the yeah. confidence grows but rather than so like basically my point being rather than this is an opportunity for us to throw ourselves against the rocks chin up you know jolly good time classic british we're gonna lose but lose gloriously phrases i would use more we're gonna win but it's gonna be an op but it's a challenge and it's a chance for us to okay overcome so almost like this almost remind them that it's a chance to cause a good upset just okay. be more okay. american to be more brash, basically. <laughs> yeah, like that. I guarantee you, Australians. I think Australia. So in our tra my travels, Australians, the Irish, and the Americans tend to have similar attitudes, kind of that loud brashness, and that's kind of where it comes from. It's a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. It's a little bit of like, like the United States is formed, and the way our mythos teaches it is that we overcame the strongest military in the world, which we didn't. They were mostly conscripts at the time german conscripts at that but 
we overcame the Redcoats and this strong military and see, we overcame all the odds to do this. Like that's the American attitude. And the mm-hmm. British attitude is more like, oh, you know, chin up. We're going to fight through it. We're going to eat terrible food because we can't, because it's just what's Whoa. best for us, you know. Don't touch the food. I'm talking about like during the Blitz, you know what I mean? <laughs> Not now. <laughs> I like British food. Yeah, I, I, I was quick on the offend, offended button there. Yeah, of course you were. <laughs> but my point is just that like using more of that attitude of like, we can overcome this because we believe in ourselves type phrasing Mm -hmm. and like we can win this and like i believe we can win this yeah but tim howard yeah (laughs) would would you suggest using say that past win we that we got this saturday using that as kind of like a a benchmark and say look look what we can do sort of thing yeah especially if you talk about how like that was a team effort you got advice Mm -hmm. from people who you gave you were given great advice and point out those people who did it and be like, hey, these guys helped me build this. This we did this as a team. We can do this again and again and again. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. But obviously, it'll feel like you're gonna have to grind it. Like you're gonna have to. That's that's. This is the part where the British attitude is helpful. Is as a small team, is that you have to grind it out. You have to like bear your, uh, you know, bear your teeth, bite the bit, all that stuff, and just grind it out. It's not gonna be easy, but we can do it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's I think it's just about having patience in that process, isn't it? Um the one Absolutely. one loss probably hopefully won't kind of upset the kind of what what we're trying to build. Um but yeah, I think yeah, being British does help in that sense. We're used to putting up with a lot, so Yeah. And then the second part and then the last point would be especially this would be more for individuals rather than for team talks, but play out their fears to conclusion. You know? Oh, you went out on a duck. You went out on a four ball duck. Oh boy. Guess what? You're going to be our teammate. You're still going to drink with us. We're still going to have fun. Like that's like in the end, if we lose and you went out on a duck, like we're not going to, we'll tease you about it. But then next week I might have the duck and you get to tease me about it. Like it's just for fun. Yeah. I mean, that's why cricket's a little bit of a weird sport because you can have a horrible day yourself uh, in terms of like quality wise. You can get Mm. a duck, you can drop catches and your team can get an incredible win and you have such kind of like conflicting feelings because it's such a weirdly individualistic team sport. Um, so, for example, like w- one of my plays is, is not been in the greatest of forms at the start of this this um, start of this season. And you could tell on his face that he was happy the team won uh, at the weekend, um, but he was kind of still disappointed in himself. Um, so it, it's hard to try and... It's hard to try and foster that because, yeah, like I said, it's hard to override that feeling of I should have done better, even though we even though we won sort of thing. Yeah. And the more that happens, the more likely they are. They're going to be thinking about their technique, which is the opposite that you want them to do. The more they're going to be thinking about the times that went poorly and how they're just trying to survive. You need them in a, to an attitude where they can play loose and free. And the best way to do that is to like play out their fears or their conclusion. Even if you have a bad season, like a whole year of terrible cricket, you're still our mate. Like we're still going to have fun, and you're still a talented cricket player, cricketer, as you'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, you you did describe one of my players, so I might have to uh, might try that out this weekend. Yeah. Like just, just that's one way to do it. A lot of times that won't work, where you play out the fears inclusion. Maybe they still are truly afraid of that conclusion. Like they're truly afraid of that. Um, in which case you just have to explain like just one, just find one thing each match, just one thing each match that helps us win, whether it be a catch, whether it be telling me something like giving me advice, whether it be, you know, surviving just that extra ball longer than you think you should, whatever it is, find that one thing that helps us win each match and the rest of it we can deal with. Right. Yeah. Because, like, cricket's different in that, like, it's very, like, succeed or suck kind of sport. Like, there's very little middle ground, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in, like... Yeah, you either yeah, do well or you don't. Like, in basketball, if you're playing bad, you can just start passing the ball more. Like, you can just... You can help. Yeah. You can defend. You can rebound. Like, very simple things to help your team win, even if you're not scoring well. Um, but, like it's very hard in cricket where it's very like I went out on a duck. There's nothing more I can do in the batting order to help the team anymore. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, it can be quite isolating in that sort of sense, can't it? Yeah. So that one is a little bit harder, but as long as you're constantly like fight help, and especially if after each match, he's going to get a lot of like, it sounds like this guy may be getting a lot of the banter and the fines set part portion. You could then follow course, it up yeah. by giving them positive things like, hey, you get you all that went bad, but you did this and that helped us win kind of thing. Yeah, because he he took a very very good catch to um to get their danger man out on Saturday. So, so there you go. After the game, I was trying to I was trying to remind him that you know that contribution was probably bigger than anything he could have done with the bat, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. And so then, as they find ways to help the team in other ways, they can loosen up about their other aspects of the game that aren't going well, and they can find it. Especially if you can manage to keep winning while they're struggling in other areas of their game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be, be something I'll move forward to this weekend, hopefully. So that is the number one thing to mitigate the challenge versus threat and to build it, what I've started calling the challenge mentality is self-efficacy. Just total trust and belief in your own ability. And part of self-efficacy is like you can kind of fake it till you make it in a lot of ways. It is one of those things that mm. you can do that with. And a good way to help fake it till you make it is for other people to be telling you that you're you're talented or you're succeeding or that they trust in your ability yeah and it's kind of one of those situations where like in basketball if you're a three-point shooter and your shot's not falling as the great jj reddick always says shooters just keep shooting because eventually it'll start falling again yeah 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 and so if this guy is really talented and he's a good batsman but he's just struggling to start just keep putting him in the exact same place in the order and eventually it'll start you'll show trust and eventually it'll start clicking. Yeah. yeah I think all, all it takes is that one kind of innings, doesn't it? That one kind of chance or a bit of luck and you're fine, but I'm just trying to help him find that at the moment. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, that's what I would do is just keep pointing out the things that helped us win. And eventually yeah. that the rest of it will come around. It's, it's tough though. Cause a lot of it, a lot of these kinds of things, they kind of have to do on their own. Like you can't talk them through it fully they kind of have to believe what you're saying and they have to trust in what you're saying yeah, and yeah. to get there yeah very much so they need to they need to believe in themselves at the end of the day yeah so having so we've gone through your previous culture and the ways in which we can uh, grow that particularly using mm -hmm. social leadership reaching out more often to find advice from everyone um which that takes time uh so over a you know, five, the next five matches or whatever, you may be reaching out more often to the young players and you may only use, you may not use any of their advice during that time because it just doesn't fit with what you yeah. think you need or like you're getting a better advice from an older, more experienced player, right? But eventually, eventually you'll start using it. Eventually they'll see what you're seeing and eventually they'll start giving you advice that you can you be actionable on. And that's when they can, and as long as you, even after you're not using it, as long as you keep reaching out and encourage them, they will start coming to you on their own. And that just kind of takes time and them seeing you do that. Okay. Okay. So we've gone over that with the communication and trying to build your culture. It sounds like you're kind of on the right track and it's just going to take some time to grow that culture. We talked about the small team syndrome and how it's, it, this one's hard because it, it, you kind of have to, you kind of have to create a culture of belief even against it. And that's where that kind of whole, like, I don't care what the rules say, I'm going to succeed type American attitude is so helpful, but can be yeah. difficult for others to adapt to. But by yeah. constantly using opportunity and chance, and rather than opportunity to test ourselves, but opportunity to win and prove ourselves, that's what that's the word I would use instead. Instead of test, I'd say prove ourselves. Okay. Okay. Improve our talent, and it's a chance for us to overcome, and it's a chance for us to like you know grind out a victory against a team, and eventually yeah. you'll also find a play style. Make maybe that is your play style is really good bowling, and you keep the scores low. You don't give them a whole lot of opportunities to run, and you just keep let it going bowl first, and then the low scores, and then you grind out a victory. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think that's what we've noticed over the last few weeks. That I think that's that's what we're trying to do moving forwards. Bowl first, back our batsmen to knock it off. Yeah, and that and if you can grind, keep the scores low, bowling, and then grind out victories batting, you can grow confidence in your your ability to 
Because, like, the truth is, like, that kind of defensive batting can work a lot against anyone as long as you're not, as long as you have the right attitude for it, right? It's a bit like having, being defensive in football. It can work against anybody as long as you're disciplined. Yeah, yeah, as long as you, and and as long as you're kind of, like, all together and sticking to Mm -hmm. it. And unified in your belief. Um, And then the third one you wanted to talk about was the leadership group. Um, In your view, what would that leadership group look like? Um, so it would kind of be made up of the kind of um, the most experienced heads from the, each of the key components of the team. So, for example, the fast bowler. Um, so our, our kind of uh, most experienced fast bowler, our most experienced batsman, uh, myself, obviously as captain and vice captain. Okay. Um, my first question: Are you already getting advice from these people as it is? I am, yes. Um, kind of individually, not together, not as kind of like a group, um, but individually reaching out, yes. Do you think they're communicating amongst each other as well? And potentially. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them because obviously these are the people who've been in the team, you know, for a similar amount of time to me. So um, they're all mates. So, uh, you know, yeah, I wouldn't put it past them talking about the game outside of, you know, the conversations sure. I have with them. So if you if you think you're already getting advice from all of them and they're already communicating amongst each other and then giving you advice, what does the leadership, what is the advantage of having a leadership group if you're already getting it? Um, I guess it cuts out the middleman of if they have a conversation um, and having to relay it back to me. I was thinking uh, almost the old adage of, do you know, a few heads is better than one. Um, if, if, for example, we've got a selection issue or we've got a tactics issue, if, if I take it to the leadership group, it might lead to a bit of a ha- more healthier discussion uh, rather than me kind of taking it to individuals themselves. Um, what is the disadvantage of them going to the individuals themselves and things like that? What's the disadvantage to that for you? Um, I think, like I said, uh, I guess they, they might be influenced or they might bounce off someone else's opinions. Um, so My question kind of is, is a that a bad thing? Um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Um because, for example, let's uh, go back to the example we had um, on the field where, where we decided to change things mm-hmm. up and try and give people short, sharp bursts. That was kind of a, a collaborative decision between a couple of us coming together, someone coming in saying, why don't we try this? And someone else coming in saying, yes, why, we do, why don't we do this? But why don't we do this with this person first? Um, it kind of, you know, like the ideas built from each other, that type of thing. Um, so I guess if you have those individual talks and it stops kind of the communication between everyone so else. So like the delay um, in that what you're talking about, like the delay yeah, in getting yeah. to you. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That's the dis- kind of the main disadvantage I see of it. Um, so yeah. All right, and what's, That's what, what would be a disadvantage of having like the general leadership group? Because I can think of a couple. Um, so for me, the disadvantage is Obviously, not involving certain players into that leadership group who may feel like they're in a leadership role in the team, because um, there's no point having a leadership group if it's two thirds of the team, is there? Um, you want to make sure that you know your leadership group is quite focused and quite um, quite smallish numbers. Whereas I I do know there's probably two, three, four other people who could join that group if um, if they wanted to. Um, so that's a potential disadvantage of it, kind of. Uh, making other people feel like they're less valued in the team um if they become aware that they're not part of the leadership group if you have if you start reaching out to the young players and asking for their advice and then you create a leadership group where the advice gets filtered through these bowlers or batsmen who so you never hear from what they're saying even if it's a good idea um would you say that's a disadvantage um yes i mean obviously if you put it into the the, the context of uh, of what we talked about before about making sure that people's voices are heard especially the junior members yes but i don't think that the leadership group would perform that function i don't think the function would be to pass on advice i think the function is to discuss tactically and put our heads together about certain things um because as long as some of the younger players feel like i'm approachable then they should never feel the need to have to go through one of the leadership members except then what's the point of the leadership members if you're taking advice from everyone anyway 
Um, because the leadership members are usually the more kind of experienced members where you can have a bit more deeper conversations with, especially this is more off the field, um, away from the game, um, the, those types of discussions. Uh, the junior members are, are more than kind of welcome and to, to tell me stuff on the field like everyone else, but I feel like with with those kind of members, they're the ones I have the most conversation with off the field about kind of team selection, um, about kind of tactics and that type of thing, um, kind of in between games rather than during the game itself. Are you talking to more than just the four you did, or I guess it'd be three plus you you identified? What do you mean, sorry? Like, between matches, are you asking more than just the three plus you? So, like, more than what you would identify as your leadership group, are you getting advice from more than just those those groups, that group of players? Uh, no, not at the moment, no. But you, so you're kind of already constantly communicating with this group, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, like I said, it, it's kind of individually. Do you know, yeah. I text one about one thing, I text, text the other about the other, whereas, do you know, if you create kind of like a... A group chat or something like that it might kind of uh, lead to more uh, more developed conversations so i would say i would not i would not say a formal leadership group is necessary i would say a, a, i mentioned this before we recorded i'm of the opinion that leadership groups can be incredibly helpful when you have a team of experienced players and a coach who ultimately makes decisions um, that's why it's used primarily in like rugby and cricket, like professional level rugby and cricket and stuff like that. It's because, um, you have a lot of experienced players that have to make ch decisions on the field and stuff like that. And th but then ultimately you have a coach and selector and stuff like that, who's choosing the team. And so getting advice from these places is really important for that coach or selector in order to create a unified atmosphere as well as make the right decision. Cause sometimes they're not going to have all the information they need. But in this case, I would think a formal leadership group would do nothing but create a clique that doesn't need to exist. I would say you could just make a group chat with these guys and it doesn't have to be like a leadership group. It could just be like, these are the guys you're asking advice from anyway. Okay, okay, yeah. So so rather than kind of formally acknowledge it's a leadership group, just have it at a discussion group. Yeah, I mean, you're asking, these are the guys you're asking advice from anyway. So like, you can make a WhatsApp group from it and what would be the difference and they can help build ideas anyway. Yeah. And then you don't have yeah, to like announce true. it to the team and be like, Hey, you're not a part of this, but these guys are all these kinds of things. And then if like you find that there are some people you're starting to get advice from that you in between matches, maybe some young players who aren't now or players that are in the team that you just aren't now, you can just throw them in there. Yeah. Yeah keep it quite flexible yeah and that's that's the key part is it's instead of making it this like kind of overly formal leadership group situation just be like i'm willing to take advice from everywhere these are just the guys i'm asking advice for now but if you guys have great ideas you're welcome to help out too okay okay because that kind of goes along with that whole culture of communication you were trying to build where you're trying to encourage your other players to come to you and give advice if you're um only reaching out to this small group and you make it this formal group and stuff like that they may feel even less encouraged to give you advice because yeah. they're like oh we'll he'll just listen to them and they're going to say that that's a bad idea yeah i see i see that would be like that's that to me is like the biggest disadvantage to it is that you're already trying to create a uh, trying to create a culture where everyone feels they have a voice um by giving other people a formal position where they have a stronger voice kind of limits some of that. Okay. Okay. I see. I, I see your reasons. Um, maybe that's something I move forward with then just, yeah, a generalized discussion group about events. Yeah. Cause that's my thing is you're already asking advice from these group anyway, and they're already doing that job. What's the point of formalizing? Yeah. 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 No, no need to formalize it. it. Yeah. But there's always the chance that in the long run, you find that you should formalize it because they should have, you know, you should try and create um, kind of a batsman captain and a bowling captain and stuff like that. Um, because then they get things filtered through correctly and you don't have to get all this advice all the time. Like it, it's it's kind of a balancing act. But right now it sounds like this would be counter to some of your other Yeah, goals. that's true. That's very true.
I, I thank you for that advice. So, you're trying to maintain your culture with a constantly rotating cast of players. You're trying to encourage young players to open up their voice as well as building a challenge mentality around the idea that you can always overcome whatever challenge is in front of you. Um, and we've decided, at least you've taken the advice um, that a leadership group would not necessarily be the most beneficial of that. Is there anything else you had questions over? No, I think we've covered it. I mean, that's quite a few different topics, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's kind of a, a broad thing. Um, it's one of those things where if I were working on hand, I could like observe the of team course, and yeah. get more specifics. But um, And I could even interview the players you had concerns over to determine whether they were in a challenge or threat. Yeah. But as it stands, I think um, this kind of advice would probably help keep building what you're already doing a pretty good job of building towards. Yeah, fingers crossed. And, and like I mentioned, that, that win we got on Saturday probably helps me push all of these factors moving forwards as well. A- absolutely, especially that pushing the challenge mentality. Because yeah. you'd be, you know, a, a team that many would say are better than you, and you did it by grinding it up. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, well, for those listening, thanks for listening. Um, it's a little bonus episode for you where you get to learn and listen in on kind of how these kinds of conversations can happen. Um, follow me at at bondperform on Twitter. Follow Liam at liamjenkins6 on Twitter. You can also um, you can also follow me on Instagram uh, at bondperformance. And thanks for listening.